There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're going to have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. What's up, boys and girls? It's time for another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. This is a cool episode because we have one cool lady on with us as your guest your spotlight for the next few minutes here together. She is Miss Kimmy Donahue, and uh, she's got a cool story. Kimmy, thanks so much for being here with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm super excited. Yeah, you know, there are people in this industry that you meet in various ways. Maybe it's social media, maybe it's at a conference or through a carrier or whatever, and you just know instantly this person has a lot of great energy. Like they just bring something special to the table. Intangible quality half the time. That is you in spades, lady, for real. Like, <laughs> Well, thank you. You're definitely one of the more interesting people in our industry. I'm not going to give away some of the secret sauce for the folks out there in listener land that aren't familiar with what you're up to. Why don't you just start us off like we always do with the Kimmy Donahue backstory. Fill us in at why did you pick this industry for your career? What got you to this point? Uh, and, and now that we're here in early 23 as we record this, and then we'll just take it from there. How about that? Yeah, for sure. Well, like everybody in the insurance industry, I grew up wanting to do it. I'm just kidding. That's absolutely <laughs> not true. <laughs> uh, oh, actually, I, I wanted to be a high school English teacher. I love writing, actually. So originally when I started college, I had thought I was going to be a teacher. Uh, and then, of course, like a lot of us, we look at how much teachers make and you go, hmm, there's got to be there's got to be a different way. So while I'm going to school, uh, I was actually working at a car wash. Yes. Insert song working at the car wash. Mm-hmm. And uh, this gentleman goes through and says, hey, you should look at insurance. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. So actually, I got really lucky. My parents insurance agent at the time was hiring. So I joined on as a CSR with State Farm, and that's how I got my first taste of insurance. Uh, fell in love with it, so I started on the service side, eventually got into sales, got recruited into a sales position with another agent, fast forward to being invited to open up an American family agency, so I was a captive agent uh, for several years, and then played around in some corporate leadership and as an independent producer here and there. Until finally in 2000, oh my gosh, 2018 was when I made my jump to become an independent agency owner all by myself. So the story behind that was working corporate job, decided, uh, well, actually, I didn't decide. Here's what happened. Uh, One of my peers walked in, closes the office door and says, why are you here? I'm like, oh my gosh, do I look that miserable? And he's like, well, no, I want to know, you know, why'd you take this position? I said, well, it's a a resume builder, right? I want to get better at leadership. And he just kind of looks at me and is like, why the heck do you need a resume when we all know you're going to end up working for yourself? And that was like when the light bulb oh, turned man. off. And Hold I was on. like, oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, man, I'm telling <laughs> yes. you, that's, amen. Whoever was, I'm just air fiving you, whoever you are out there. That's just beautiful. I love it. Yeah, I, I'll I'll name drop him later. There's a couple people in my life that really made a big difference, and he he taught me a lot of things, and that's definitely one of the biggest things that that changed my life. Because mm. what happens next is I cash out my 401k, and I know that makes financial advisors cringe, but hear me out. Uh, I sold my car, 
recently got rid of my house at the time. So I downsized anything and everything because I knew I knew what it takes, you know, to start a business. You'd live off nothing. So <laughs> I got rid of everything and started my own agency. I knew nothing about how to start an independent agency. Remember, I've got a background in captive. I was a producer for an independent agency, so I knew some of the carriers, but you know, you don't understand what it takes to get appointments, what it takes to recruit and develop people on the independent side, how to compensate them. So I just kind of learned trial by fire and learned to fail really, really fast. And fast forward, and we can dive into that more if you have more questions, but basically I yeah. ran that agency for about uh, four and a half years until I sold it. And there's a whole backstory behind that. Man, you're just giving me more than work. one episode, Kimmy. Jeez, <laughs> we're going to have to do a two-parter here, man. <laughs> right? Came to work for Openly uh, for a couple of reasons. It just, the timing on that was perfect. And I really couldn't have thought of another carrier that, I, sh- I shouldn't say this on air because I love everybody. No, you don't I have, really, no, really, you don't really have to love, love everybody. Openly. Here, here's, <laughs> here's the thing about this podcast. We keep it real. And I don't care we if do. you've got a hot take. Just speak <laughs> from your own experience, your own opinion. And you can say whatever you want. Yeah. I was... Am and was a huge fan of Openly, even as an agent, uh, because of the easy use of the system. But the people, the people really is what attracted me to the company. Mm -hmm. Uh, The reps, the people behind. I mean, anyone on listening to this podcast that uses Openly, you know how amazing our AX team is when you chat in. All those people are fabulous. So I was like, you know, if I'm going to do some, you know, if I'm going to do another job after sales or after selling the agency, it was like, go work for Openly. So I mean, I don't disagree at all. (laughs) I'll never work for a carrier. But if I were, if I were going to work for a carrier, Openly would be a fantastic candidate for a carrier I'd be totally fine working with. Mm -hmm. Ty Harris at the top and all the way down. Byron, shout out to you. Everybody else that I have had the privilege of interacting with at Openly, just class through and through. I'm not surprised at all why you chose to go there for the next step in your career. I'm going to dial it back a little bit because you sped through some really interesting <laughs> talking points. I'm going to go back to your uh, your State Farm days. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I will say, there's plenty that, in my opinion, every captive carrier gets wrong in a bad way. State Farm doesn't ever have any real agency owners because no one ever owns their book at State Farm. They're, they're glorified managers. It's just their business model, more power to them. That's how they choose to do things. One thing that Big Red does extremely well is onboarding new team members and training. They have people drink the Kool-Aid hard. What were the things that you took away in your State Farm experience? Because they've got training and onboarding down to an absolute science. It's one of the best parts about being affiliated with State Farm. What was your experience Mm -hmm. like there? So at State Farm, I was a CSR and producer. So uh, American Family is actually one where I, I... had an agency, you know, mm-hmm. basically yeah, it's almost no, kind of like a franchise. But I was I was asking about Farm. the 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 employee experience because oh okay yeah it, I we're on the same page we're we're tracking you know, the <laughs> got it so many independent agencies struggle with having systems and processes where they have the mm-hmm. right training the right onboarding making sure that everybody's rowing the boat in the same direction. I don't feel like State Farm agents have that same challenge because Big Red takes care of a lot of the structure necessary, don't they? They do. The other nice, I would say the one thing about captive is most of the systems talk to each other. Mm-hmm. So going independent, you realize nothing talks to each other. You've got multiple screens up. I mean, I don't know if you can see, but I've got, you know, a million monitors up, you yeah, know. Yeah, you don't want to see openly. my desk right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I wish I had the virtual backgrounds on this thing because now you get to see my messy office. No, that's no, fine. State Farm, I the first agent that I began to work for, I would say she really set the tone for my insurance career because naturally I'm a person, you could probably tell by the way I speak, I like to go fast. So I don't naturally pay attention to detail. I don't naturally look at compliance, anything really, until working for her. And she really taught me to slow down, double check everything. So really my job with her was, you're going to laugh at this, checking changes. And you go, well, what do you mean by that? Well, back back in the day when I first started insurance, State Farm was still using a DOS system. Green screens. Oh yeah. Yep. So you're sitting there, all these crazy keystrokes. And then you actually, what happens is you make the change, it gets sent over to corporate 
and they do manually do the change and then you have to check to make sure it got done. So my job was literally making changes and checking them. So you're basically so the quality really control said, officer for the agency. 100%. Yep. So I learned kind of the compliance stuff, how to be organized. And then my role after that was customer service. So I think that's also what really set the tone going into sales later is coming from a customer service background, mm-hmm. how to how to cross sell, how to take care of the problems before you try to try to sell them things. So my next job with another State Farm agent, I happened to be the top salesperson and I was also the CSR. And everyone's like, well, how the heck do you service and sell stuff? And I'm like, I just take care of everything in one phone call. Yep. One call closed, baby. Exactly. That really, really helped me going forward throughout my insurance career. Love it. So how did AmFam steal you away? It sounds like you were pretty happy, at, at least to, to some degree, as a team member. I was. So, yeah. so AmFam came along and said, hey, we think you'd make a great agent. How, how did that transition go for you? So actually, there was a gentleman who was an AmFam agent who I raced motorcycles with. He, <laughs> She's a rock star <laughs> and a motorcycle racer, as if you we weren't can, already we can interesting circle enough. Circle back to that. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, so met him at the track. He loved AmFam. Talked it up and down. And said, "Hey, they've got this really great agent and training program. Basically, what that is is you go and mentor with an agent, and they get a free producer out of it. Is really what that is. But mm. district manager looked at my experience and said, "No, nope, we're making her an agent." Cool part about that is I got to open my own agency. Downfall is. They don't teach you how to run a business. Mm -hmm. And I even went to college, got a business degree. Nobody teaches you how to pay taxes, how to recruit and develop people, how to manage your own time. So I would say to anybody listening that is opening an agency or any business for that matter, word of advice, get a good CPA from the (laughs) get-go. I learned that the hard way year one and two. Mm. That is really right. solid advice, Kimmy. I got to say, now it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I ran into a situation similar where I had a CPA. They just weren't very good, and mm. they weren't proactive. They didn't say, "Hey, by the way, make sure you dot dot dot." Uh, they were reactive and paper pusher, and I paid about a twenty thousand dollar penalty for it. So yes, that's about. Yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, we're, you and I are sharing that same pain Which right does there. not feel good year one when that's probably about, you know, that's what you That's a big <laughs> number when you're in your first yeah. few years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I'm guessing the AmFam experience was relatively short-lived then, it sounds like. Uh, you know, I stayed there for almost four years. Wow. I, uh, I probably would have been a lifer if it wasn't for networking and realizing how much business I was leaving on the table. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, between having referral partners that were mortgage lenders and real estate agents and seeing things go to an independent agents. And I even had one who was a, was a large team that said, Kimmy, we'll send you everything if only you were independent. And I was like, hmm. And you know, speaking with veteran captive agents, they all said, Kimmy, if you're going to get out, get out now. It's a lot harder to go backwards when you're 10, 20 years in. having to walk away because at those companies, you don't own your book. You leave everything when you leave. So Mm. what did I do? I picked up and left everything and had to start all over. But you don't regret it, it sounds like. I can see in your face and hear it in your voice. There's no part of you that regrets it. No. And it's important that I say that because (laughs) there's a lot of folks that listen to this podcast that are listening for aspirational reasons. They are listening to try to figure out how in the world do I make this jump? You know, there's somewhere on the captive or exclusive side of the distribution world in the insurance industry, whether it's mm-hmm. a red or blue color or one of the other colors in between. We all know yeah. the companies. They, they're, the names are all familiar to us. So, you know, a lot of folks are trying to figure out what does the jump look like and how in the world do I get started as an independent after a successful career, either as a producer or as an agency owner on the captive side. What kind of advice would you offer for someone who is maybe not already well-established, like a lot of our listeners are? They're just listening for mm-hmm. best practice or trying to get some sort of entertainment value. But for the folks that haven't yet made that jump, what kind of advice would you have for them? I would say, of course, first get a good CPA. <laughs> yeah, we've said um, it twice now, have, folks, so make sure you right? get it. Yes, yeah, take notes. 
Of course, when you're a captive agent or even a producer, you usually sign an agreement that is a non-solicit or a non-compete. You know, we we don't need to go into the legalities of that, but we know be a good person and don't go after your old book for as long as it says because they will go after you. So follow your you contracts, to- folks. Yeah, you signed please it, do. abide by it. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, uh, I'm not a fan of those. You know, I had to abide by it too, but yep. better to play it safe than sorry. I would say going into, if you're leaving Captive World and going independent, keep your networks. You want to make sure your referral partners know when you make the move so they know to continue to send you business because you don't want those lead flows to stop, which is also why having a CRM is really important so that you can start creating your pipeline again. I would say making any kind of transition, that's where the big gap comes is now you're you're stuck, you have nothing to work on, or if you do, you got to rebuild that. So yep. while you're making your transition, while you're interviewing, getting your appointments with carriers, while you're doing all of that, don't forget to lead generate. Uh, because, you know, two days off of that, you're, now you're, what, two weeks behind. So I would get a good CRM and start filling up that pipeline. So when you made that jump, you had to make a whole bunch of technology decisions. You chose your vendors and you ran with whatever pack you wanted to run with. Mm-hmm. What were the vendors when you were an independent agency owner? What were the, some of the vendors that you really leaned on for, for support, whether it's a CRM or a management system or some other you know, piece of technology that made your life real easy? Yeah. So when I first started, I wanted to run as lean as possible. So the cheapest, freest stuff out there, right? I first started with Pipedrive was my first CRM. Mm-hmm. I think back then it was free. I think these days it might cost a little bit of money. But I started with that just to keep track of leads uh, I did order internet leads from, uh-oh, maybe Quote Wizard. Not a huge fan of internet leads, but it gave me something to work on and continue to fill up that pipeline. Believe it or not, we ended up selling a lot of that stuff maybe six months to a year later. But I, so from my captive days, I knew internet leads kind of work, but it gave me something to to do, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a quick and dirty shot of alcohol. If you find yourself wanting to drink to get drunk, like some people do, (laughs) that's not really my persuasion. It's like it's like going and buying the fifteen dollar bottle of McCormick's vodka. It's like you you know you're not going to feel really good after it, but it might get the job done. Exactly. Internet leads are definitely not ideal. The reason that I did it was I was I was actually out of practice a little bit. So my timeline, I was an independent producer became a corporate, basically territory manager for Farm Bureau. And kind of hmm. my my network, you know, because I wasn't actively working it, fell to the wayside. Hmm. I didn't have the same lead flow that I did uh, if I went straight from captive to independent. Hmm. So like now on the openly side, when I hear of an agent going from captive to independent, I know they're probably hanging on to those lead sources because there's not that much lag time. I hope so. Yeah, me, I had almost two years of gap Mm. between captive and independent. So I had to go and rebuild everything. So that's why I ordered internet leads was just to get back into that. Oh yeah, you do have to pick up the phone. You do have mm. to. Makes sense. Make, you know, yeah. I mean, let's just pause for a second and reflect on the cultural differences, just the identity differences between, I'm guessing it was Arizona Farm Bureau, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, Arizona Farm Bureau and Openly, which is thinking about structure wise and the the energy wise, could not be more different from a carrier perspective. Just the mm-hmm. way they operate, the the standard procedures for everything, the vision, the innovation curve and everything. Like Openly is pushing the envelope in every conceivable way and driving hard in technology and innovation and Farm Bureau across the country, regardless of which one you go to, they're all tried and true, just same old, same old, the same way we've done it for 50 years, quality carrier, but not exactly known for pushing the envelope and for innovation, right? No, and actually I just talked to someone who just came from there and they're still using the same quoting system as when I was there back in 2017, mm. which is one they've been using for a long, long time. So <laughs> There's got to be a, yeah. gotta be some, some real clarity in your mind of the way mm-hmm. things should be done, in your opinion. Exactly, and at Openly, our portal, we're updating that thing almost, I mean, don't, this might not be true, but it feels like daily. There's always things that they're rolling out and making better. So I would say that was one of the most refreshing things coming over to Openly is it doesn't feel corporate whatsoever. We're up to 
270 employees, I think now. Mm. So it's not small, definitely growing. It's big, but uh, just how, how innovative and nimble openly is when you, and if you do have an idea, the cool part about it in true startup fashion is they say, okay, cool, run with it. And you're like, oh, this, so for somebody that's been a startup, it's super exciting. You, you have a lot of control over your projects within the role that you're already doing. So mm. that was super exciting for me because I honestly, I was afraid coming to a role like this is, gosh, would, you know, would it be boring? Would I need to find something else to do, you know, on the weekends? And, but no, they, they keep your butt busy. <laughs> hmm. There's always something to do. So what's the source of your energy? Because you have this enthusiasm, this zest about you that it's uncommon. Most of the, the folks that I know in the industry, you know, I wouldn't exactly call them easily excitable, you know? There's a certain quality that you seem to bring to everything, whether it's music or the other stuff. <laughs> Motorcycle racing apparently is one of them. Where does this confidence come from? Uh, you know, I'd, it's cool that you say confidence because that makes me feel good. I think for me, I've just always been somebody that I have an idea and I take action and run with it. And to me, that's fun. And I think that's the big key is to have fun in everything that you do. I gamify almost everything in my life too. Everything's a competition. So that's what keeps you going. You know, whether it's in sales, whether it's, uh, we can even talk about like hobbies and stuff. So like for music, for example, I'll say, okay, I want to book six gigs by the end of whatever date, you know, and I make a game out of it. And almost all the other hobbies like motorcycle racing happen to be competitive. So I think I just really like fast moving things. <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely, uh, it seems that way. So when did music come into your picture? Have you always been involved in the, the musician lifestyle from what back, you know, growing up years? Or is that something that came on as an adult? So the live performance just came on in 2000, early 2022. So I grew up in a family that had very eclectic music taste. So that's what really helped the rest of this story. My parents used to host, we call it music appreciation nights. We're a small family, mom, dad, me and my sister. Each one of us would have to bring a CD and we'd have to sample the whole thing. So it could be it could be blues, it could be classic rock. My sister would bring sometimes rap music just to mix it up and kind of drive everyone crazy. I would bring, you know, some kind of crazy metal screamy music. And But it was cool because then you get to get a taste of all of the different genres. My mom was a piano player. Her and my sister are really good singers, even if they don't admit it. And, you know, I was in choir and plays here and there, but really never performed like I'm doing now. So the way that happened was at my last agency, Jesse, who was on my team, he's a country music singer here locally, and he'd bring his guitar to the office and would, you know, strum and sing and I'd sing with him. And eventually it turned into something that we were almost doing daily. You know, after work, we would just start singing and, you know, doing cover songs and started taking videos of it and posting it on Facebook. And uh, I also had started painting at the time. So I held my first art show in the beginning of last year and we performed there. And a local acoustic guitarist came and found me who actually happened to be a client. It was kind of cool how it worked out that way. And he said, hey, I need someone to fill in. The girl that usually sings with me is not available that day. You want to come perform? And I'm like, well, I've never done that, but okay. Simultaneously, the guitarist from, there's an ACDC cover band here in Tucson called The Jack. He found me on Facebook and assumed I'm the front person of a band and said, hey, Kimmy, we need a, a fill-in singer. Uh, we're doing an all-girl charity show doing ACDC cover songs. And I'm like, oh God, I've never sang, I've never sang rock live, even though that's my favorite genre. And uh, I just decided to do it one day. And all of a sudden it turned into bands asking if I want to sing and eventually joining a cover band that now we sing 80s metal and we're getting booked. And it's just, it was one of those things that just took off without trying, which is kind of crazy. Most, most of the stuff I'm used to, you know, really having to climb up a hill and make it work. But music just felt so natural and it took its own momentum, which was really cool. Hey, Freedom Jumper, are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who is it, right? 
Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. No, I love that story. <laughs> that is Thank you. That is really cool that you would just kind of back your way into an opportunity and then make the most of it. You know, and this is not just because you're getting opportunities because of the purple hair or the the energy that you bring. Like you actually are pretty dang good. Like it's uh Thank you. It's not very often that I find myself going, "Oh, dang." Okay. <laughs> cool. All right. I like it. Yeah. It's like, okay, Kimmy, I see you. Yeah. Well, I totally thank you, did thank not you. expect that. No. <laughs> so Kimmy's a great follow for other reasons than insurance folks. So if you like someone with great energy who has talents outside of our industry, then well, get after it. Okay. I, I'm sorry. Totally just indulging in my own <laughs> curiosity there. Anything we, we need to bring up from those earlier chapters, anything that we missed, any important details or kind of best practices before we move forward into the rest of the story? Um, we can circle back. Let's see what else you got. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I want to hear about how you went from corporate to the independent gig. A person walks into your office and they say, mm -hmm. why are you building your resume? We all know you're going to be your own boss. You're going to be an entrepreneur. Okay, cool. Love that quote. That's fantastic. Then what? Oh, boy. Because that, then... that's a loaded question to go from mm -hmm. corporate job, which you had, you know, you were, I'm sure, oh, pouring, pouring yourself into. company, car, everything. It was Great bougie. salary. Yeah, you know, yeah. you got all the things and you're going to hit the reset button and go back to not getting a paycheck. What was that like? Mm -hmm. uh, that's why I sold everything and cash up my 401k just to give me a little bit of cushion, but that only lasted probably for about 90 days from what I got of all of that. So the next, you know, and I don't actually tell this part of the story very much, so hear me out. But okay. the other way I got, I got through those next few months was I went and signed on with one of those MLM life insurance companies. Mm -hmm. I know, I know, cringe. But it is a little sold, cringe, but hey, you got to do what you got to do, right? But hey, I sold a handful of life policies, made, you know, made what I needed to make to make ends meet and and continue forward. <laughs> I don't know who but, it was. I'm not going to ask you to name drop, but the only thing I will say is anybody who joins Primerica or Family First Life or whatever, you know what you're getting into. and you, you make a conscious decision that that's the right fit for you. I don't see any shame in that. Everybody has to find their own way, and those companies definitely serve a purpose in the marketplace. Those two that I named and others that are similar that have that tiered structure of you know, people mm -hmm. that sell their product. I don't see it being any different than Herbalife or you know, any of those other who-do-you-know kind of companies. Exactly. But carry on. Well, I think I, if you're, you're a salesperson. You're off the hook with me entirely. <laughs> so I didn't mean to just totally ambush your story there and that part of it. So you find yourself doing the MLM life insurance thing. Mm -hmm. And and then what? And then I decide, or then I need to figure out how am I going to get access to these carriers? You know, I know there's there's several ways to do that. I don't think one is better than the other because it just depends on your situation. Now, I am a new agent with no experience of being an independent agency owner. So it's hard to get direct appointments, even mm -hmm. back in 2018. Nowadays, it's even harder. Darn near impossible. Yeah, yeah. So I decided to join a cluster, which really helped, well, helped everything, really. Uh, they had a, a little bit of a structure, but they helped you get appointments. So that mm -hmm. gave me network access. They helped with a AMS system and a, a everything but a CRM, basically. So, so I got to learn the uh, Epic Beast, Epic. That is the uh, probably one of the hardest AMSs out there, but it worked for what we hmm. needed it to do. It sounds like you had a mostly good experience with them. You want to give them a shout out or do you want to keep that to yourself? Uh, I'll give 
give them a shout out. It was as Noah. Okay. Yeah, they did. They did a good job, and especially if you're, you know, a new agent, they really help with some of those larger companies that you wouldn't get on your own unless you had a lot of experience and a great business plan. Because I've done it, I know how hard it is to get those direct appointments, especially with those very specific type carriers. So yep. it helped me. It did. It helped what what our business needed at the time. They had some other other highlights that, you know, if it's someone wanted to go check them out, it's all on their website. I think advice going into whether you're talking to any cluster or any aggregator, I think there are a lot of great contracts out there. A lot of great contracts out there. There's also a lot that are not as great. So make sure you take the time to read to read that stuff and ask questions. Talk to agents that are in that contract. Talk to agents that don't get paid to tell you that the contract is good as well. Mm-hmm. And talk to agents who have left and oh, find yes, out why 100%. they left. Track 100%. down somebody and be like, hey, why'd you leave? What was your experience? Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to sign an NDA if you want me to. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm not yeah. even kidding, honestly. Let Freedom Jumpers, be ready to sign an NDA if someone's going to mm-hmm. spill the beans on something that is sensitive information. Because some folks, rightfully so, they're they're not going to be willing to you know, just openly share their experience that a lot of times that information is privileged and they're under an NDA that they can't share certain things with mm-hmm. members of the general public. So exactly. Anyways. And when you do sell an agency, you typically do sign an NDA. So again, why maybe I can't speak too much about it, but mm-hmm, I had yeah. a great experience with the cluster that I joined with as mm-hmm. Noah. I had a great experience. I'm just saying from from doing that and now being on the carrier side, talking to people under different contracts. It's just amazing how many differences there are. So if I was an agent going to start all over again, I would definitely talk to other agents that have, like you said, that have left. Because I think ultimately it could be going great while you're selling and growing. But, you know, there's going to come the day where all of us want to exit. I've I've done it now and I've also had experience in very small acquisitions, nothing too crazy, but just what comes up during those. And it usually comes up with the contract, typically with the clusters or aggregators. So it can definitely be a That's, that's a whole point. nother podcast probably that there. Is, yeah. That is a whole nother <laughs> podcast. I'm in the middle of selling our personal lines book and I don't mind sharing that it, we're selling it to one of the partner agencies in SIAA where we're a member of and selling inside of your network is a lot easier than selling outside of your network. hundred um, percent. Yeah, yeah so that's what it, we did too. <laughs> you know, if the price is right, if the, if the terms and the multiple is in the range where you want it to be, I don't see any reason why you would look outside of the network unless you mm-hmm. just had a really good reason to for your unique situation. So exactly. lots of pros in that cluster world for sure. Exactly. And I would say the pro to that is selling in network is you're all using the same systems and they probably you probably all have the same appointments anyway. So now, selfishly talking from the carrier level, it makes it a lot easier to transfer policies that way too when you do mm-hmm. go to sell. Yep. So, you know, I, I got to say, it, it was so easy for us to have the conversation uh, with the, the buyer because we literally are selling a book that is 99% in five carriers. And it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're a personal lines agency and you don't have Travelers, Safeco, Progressive, and Allstate, and then Branch. Mm-hmm. Branch is a newer carrier, obviously. There, there are a lot of folks don't have them yet. But I mean, virtually all of our business was in these standard market carriers that's very easy to offload because most people have those appointments. So mm-hmm. definitely something to keep in mind uh, when you're looking at, at big picture. Uh, for those of you out there that haven't yet selected a cluster or an aggregator, or you've chosen to go totally solo. If I mean, in 2023, if you're going full solo, then you know, Lord be with you. Good luck. <laughs> It's a hard road being full independent with no network, with no built-in tribe or, or community. So give me a, any thoughts on going fully independent at this point? Or do you, you feel like there's a lot of pressure in the marketplace to join up with somebody? Just pick your community and get after it. Or is there a path for the folks that want to be completely scratch starting from zero on their own right now? Because honestly, I have I a hard time seeing a- that in 23. Yeah, but I think there's still a way. I think the way to do it, though, is it would have to be an agent with a very specific business plan, yeah. you know, because I, I would that. say the majority of us, and I was one of them, I, I went in saying, I want to write 
volume, you know, so I needed all these different carriers, all these different options, because I knew I wanted, I don't like saying no to things, but uh, I wanted to be able to say yes to as many people as I could. I think uh, agents that want to go strictly direct and not go through any kind of cluster or aggregator or MGA, you're going to find it'll be a lot slower to get appointments probably. And you'll have to really focus on the hot list of who, whatever, you know, or the appetite guide of whoever you do have. Yeah. And it'll feel like being captive again, if you were captive prior. Yep. And then you get a little bit of PTSD and go, no, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to write everything through travelers or Right. Or wh- so I don't think it's it impossible. I just think it's going to be very, you know, stay, you're going to have to stay in like one lane basically yep. until you get access, you know, and there's so many ways to to get access now, you know, and I used those three words, aggregator, cluster, MGA, you know, it, it just depends on what you want it to look like come sale time, really. Yeah. No, for, I, I 100% agree. And there's more informal relationships where you have groups like the agency collective, the AC, mm-hmm. that is not nearly as involved a relationship as some of the other ones that we've both mentioned here, where the exit is very straightforward. But, you know, there's definitely a connection between how involved you are with a group and what some of the daily operating benefits are. The closer aligned you are, generally speaking, the more support you're getting, the more advice, the more counsel, the more advocacy mm-hmm. when you need help with something. Uh, like we recently experienced, it was like, at a certain point, you don't really need market access anymore once you're up and running and once you've had a few years under your belt. I mean, that's still important, but it's not as important as year one and two for sure. But Advocacy goes a long way when you need someone to step in with a carrier that's being unreasonable and mm-hmm. carry the message for your office and help navigate some potentially difficult waters that pop up from time to time. So I'm a big fan of the cluster, the aggregator, the alliance model. There's so many really good organizations. I mean, literally a, a couple dozen of quality options scattered across the country. So I didn't realize we we're going to spend this much time talking about it, but when yeah, I heard that was part of your story. Though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's important. I would say another big pro and question to ask if you are shopping between clusters and aggregators is how they handle accounting, because that could be a big pain point mm-hmm. in anybody's world. So just understanding how they pay, when they pay, how to reconcile those kinds of things, just having a good understanding and they're all fair, but it, it's much better. It's like when you sign any kind of agreement with a carrier too, you want to know how do I get paid? Are there yep. incentives? Are there profit bonuses? You know, contingencies, things like that. You you want to question and, and know uh, Maybe I'm wrong in this, but I feel like that piece of advice goes back to your suggestion twice earlier in the episode that people get a good <laughs> CPA. Yes. I, I feel like that might be tied into that whole little story. So Pay close attention, folks. Kimmy is is <laughs> singing the right tune here, and I don't mean that uh, figuratively. So I would say, well, our job, you know, in the insurance industry is to do insurance. You know, we're not, unless you have an accounting background, good for you. But I'm not an accountant, and I'm not good with that stuff. So I rely on the experts yep. to help me with that. And I I'm kind of like that in all areas of my life. You know, I hire a coach for almost everything. You know, even yep. down to a personal trainer because I'm not. I'm not going to necessarily push myself to the next level, you know, just by myself. So I do rely on, uh, on others to help. For sure. No, I, I'm, I'm exactly the same way. You know, I, I've said several times in the podcast uh, how happy we are with Don and Rob Polzinski. Agency CFO is their company. Uh, we, we connect with them as an outsourced fractional CFO almost two years ago. Uh, in April, it'll be two years since we started that engagement and you know, they're, they're a great example of the power of outsourcing certain functions in your agency to people that are specialists that are really good at one or two particular things. And um, we're, we're in the middle of uh, shopping for a bookkeeper uh, and, and payroll person right now. And we've got a good CPA relationship, um, but as we move into 23 and beyond, uh, there's just some pain points that, like you said, accounting. Accounts payable, mm-hmm. receivable, making sure that reconciliations and commission statements and whatnot are are factored in. For for those of us that write a lot of ENS or agency bill business, that's a real Ooh. fast way to find yourself in trouble. Oh uh, so. yeah, that's yeah. There's a lot of I could talk about pain stories there. Oh, oh, yeah. There's a there's a great tip or advice for new agents. Agency billing. 
Make sure you collect that payment from the mm. insured before it renews, Ooh. before you bind it, before all you of bind. the above, mm. because agency bill means who they bill you. And they and you will. are literally on the hook for the dollars if something goes wrong and the insurer doesn't pay you and you already bound coverage. You yeah. Know, you, you only get one or two of those, you know, freebies with the, you know, going back to the underwriter and begging for mercy for a flat cancel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. After two, Ooh. they're going to say, nope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm blessed enough that my first experience with that, it was not a big Big, big bill. I mean, it's big in your first year because every, you know, dollar and cent counts, right? But yep. yeah, it was definitely a rude awakening going, oh, okay, I need to teach my producers this too. <laughs> yeah, we had a situation back when I was a farmer's agent where we, we wrote a piece of business that was not eligible in any way for farmers. We wrote it through an MGA that we were working with. And the scumbag contractor who had already worked with, this was a renewal, he was in a bind and I was stupid. I shouldn't have done it, obviously. 2023 me is like, come on, man. What, what, what were you thinking? That's just dumb. Mm -hmm. But he was in a bind and he's like, hey, I really need my COI. Can you help me out here? And he'd already been a client for almost two years. So I yeah, did him a solid. So like, mm -hmm. yeah, and then I ended up eating $3,000 because he stiffed me and then had the nerve to say, I'm not paying it. Cancel it. Send me the collections. I don't care. And then I had the unfortunate privilege of paying for the minimum earned premium on his policy and then blasted him everywhere on social media, made sure that everybody in our little contractor circle knew that he was a complete scumbag. And then he threatened to sue me for libel mm. and slander. And I was like, bro, I just told everybody what this you did. This is what you did. I just yeah, told everybody exactly. what you did. If you don't like it, maybe pay me what you owe me because I've already paid for your minimum earned premium on your policy that's already canceled, Home Sauce. So, yeah. yeah, but as you said, in the, in the grand scheme of things, a $3,000 lesson is inexpensive tuition, as we say around here. Uh-huh, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, that's for those of you that are keeping score at home, Kimmy dropped a great one on you. Make sure for the agency bill side of things for you newer agents. For A lot of folks don't really have that much agency bill, if any. And if you're an inside-the-box personalized agent, you may not have any agency bill accounts in your agency. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're aware of how that works because they will send you the bill, not the insured. Yep. So and they'll and they'll hold your commissions too if you owe them money. Mm-hmm. There's nothing All like getting a it's commission statement from a carrier that has a negative number on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That one's not fun. Let's let's be real. Okay. So Kimmy, we are moving quickly towards the end of the episode. I'd like to spend a little bit of time talking about openly and how you came to be with them. What was the decision like for you to leave? the independent agency world, where you are your own boss, you're an entrepreneur. I can tell from just the way you carry yourself, you like being in charge. You're not very good I at do. taking instructions from someone else unless you really respect them and, and are on board with their vision for how this thing goes. So mm -hmm. what was the process like for you choosing to sell your independent agency and going back into a W-2 relationship? Yeah. So the story behind that is the the timing on it was perfect. So the part that I left out because I knew it would kind of come to this kind of question was uh, when I owned my agency, I brought on business partners. Love these people to death. And they came from the real estate world. No insurance experience. So personally, and this is this is a beautiful thing about it. We're all friends, still friends at the end of the day, just did not work well as business partners. You know, we didn't find that out probably until about a year, year and a half in. So you you get through that and go, okay, well, now what do we do? How do we split it up? And splitting up a book is messy. And now you're like, well, who gets what staff? And, you know, all of those kinds of things. And we we decided to make the collective decision to, to sell it. And we are really lucky. It was a very great transition because it was in network. And it actually happened to be two folks that own, or not own, well, they own it now, but uh, worked within the agency. So they know the clients, they know the systems, and everything was super smooth. And then, of course, you know, during this whole transaction is, well, now what do I, what do, I do after this? So I was thinking about possibly doing what the popular thing, you know, take a hiatus and go, go on a journey and find yourself. And I'm like, I can't do that. I'm not someone that can just go not work. So I created kind of a little mini business within my my art. So my I sell paintings, 
I sing for hire. So I turned that into a bit of a project. And then Byron actually happened to call me and said, hey, we're looking for someone in Arizona. And I'm like, wait, what? What do you mean in Arizona? And I said, I'm literally in the middle of these transactions and tell me a little bit more about this. And so I was actually going to refer him to a couple other reps that I know and love and learned about what the position was. And I'm like, you know what? I want to do this. This, I'd be really good at this. And I love the company. And I got hired on originally as a business development manager. So I was the person you see on the Zoom calls. I'm doing demos. I'm teaching you all about Openly, which was easy because I did that for the last two years, I think, or so. Okay, just hold on a second. How do you teach someone a system that is so stinking easy and intuitive to use? I feel like that training call would last about five minutes. It's like, okay, It's usually pretty quick. Well, here's the quoting module. It's incredibly intuitive. Takes a minute or two. And here's your agency module. Here's where you click and find stuff. Okay, cool. Y'all have fun. (laughs) Yep, super easy. (laughs) Uh, The only things that took a little extra time was actually talking about the endorsements and what they do. Because I was, I am... uh, well, I don't want to. I don't want to put my foot in my mouth, but I am amazed at how many agents don't include equipment breakdown, water backup, cyber, mm. all this, all the no, very. You can put your foot things. anywhere you want in your mouth with that <laughs> statement because you're a hundred percent accurate. And yeah. you may not want to have a hot take, but it's my show, and I'm totally fine having a hot take. Okay, go for Most it. Most <laughs> y'all need to pay a whole lot more attention to your dagum endorsements because you leave holes yeah. in the policy, and you go get an E and O claim when the wrong thing comes down the pipe. Because that little checkbox that would have cost your insured, what, 20 bucks a year is the mm-hmm. source of them spending thousands of dollars to fix something that you could have helped them with if you weren't such a cheapskate and selling on price instead of coverage. There, exactly. I, I so that's, yeah. I love it. No, I love it. That's where you'll see my passion come out when I'm talking to agents about why openly. As I said, it's an HO5. It includes a bunch of extra bells and whistles that mm-hmm. you don't even know in the portal too. So that's the other thing that I, I take agents through is all the other little things. Like, I don't know if you knew, but openly covers water seepage up to 20 grand mm-hmm. in their policy. Yeah, It's not listed anywhere in the portal. So you wouldn't know unless you actually took out the highlights and things like that. So or if you're a nerd like I, me and you actually went to the policy form itself and read every word of the actual yep. contract. Which exactly. Which everybody is another should piece be doing, of advice. Right? Yes. That's another piece of advice that I learned probably halfway through my independent career. Yeah. Especially as a captive, like you know, you know that product. It's the one company. You know, you've heard the highlights, you've you've probably read the policy jacket. If you haven't, you should. But yeah, in the independent world, it's every carrier's different. Even yeah. if they do write on an HO form, you know, if they've got their added endorsements, their their maybe animal liability limitations, different sublimits. So very important. And honestly, that's what our jobs are as reps. That's if you look at, um, if anyone's been in pharmaceutical sales, you know, those pharmaceutical reps, that's their job is to go into the doctor's offices and tell them, Hey, this medicine doesn't work with this. There's our highlights. That's our jobs Mm. as insurance carrier reps. Hey, here's the highlight of our policy. We know you've got 10, 20 different carriers that you write through. It's hard to keep up with the differences. Here's what makes us good. I always thought that was so interesting and enlightening. I was a pre-med for four years, and I've spent a few hundred hours standing next to surgeons in the operating room. But next to the surgeon on the other side was the hardware rep. And it's like, wait a second. You're standing there teaching this MD, this person who's been doing this, this particular surgery for years and years and years, and they're literally just like, okay, now hold it there. Now turn your wrist counterclockwise. And I'm just like, wow, okay, these device reps really know what's going on. I love that analogy because I can just see it instantly. The rep and the agent, well, the agent is the professional, but the rep is like the, you know, the counselor, the yeah. consultant for the agent. I would love to be to have Kimmy clones and be next to agents while they're selling openly policies so I can be there, one, cheering them on, mm. but two, telling them, hey, make sure you add this. Hey, by the way, Mr. and Mrs. Client, did you know this is covered? You know, that's a great analogy, Cammy. I hadn't really thought about that from the, the rep to the agent relationship. I, I'm going to take that one with me. That's that's a really good awesome. one. Awesome. I like it. No, but yeah, that's you know, our job is to know our product inside and out. Well, and it's not your job here in this episode to speak on behalf of Openly. Nobody in compliance put that up. So I know no, everything probably, you've said here is... I didn't is, ask to be on it either. So we'll, oh, we'll see what happens. Okay. Well, <laughs> I love Openly and we have a good relationship with them too. So I'll just do us both a favor and say, hey, everything that you said is your opinion and not necessarily 
know, the statements from Openly Insurance. But mm-hmm. gosh, I think the world of that company, and I'm not at all surprised you chose to be there with some of your valuable time. We're basically at the end of our episode. Is there anything we didn't cover that you wanted to? Not that I can think of this time around. <laughs> you are I'm the kind of guest that I would that... not mind having back again. You are a whole lot of fun, lady. And I appreciate you. you spending some of your valuable time with us. Folks, if you haven't connected with Kimmy on social, you really should. She's very active on LinkedIn. And where else? I'm guessing Insta because you're an artist and a creative, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm on every social media. I'm not super active on TikTok. I have mixed feelings about that app, but you can find me everywhere else. <laughs> the whole like owned by the Chinese government thing, I question some I mean, of that. I mean, these days, really, all those apps have access to your data, so yeah. nothing's really safe, which is also why everyone should have cyber insurance. Mm-hmm. A little like on their openly <laughs> policy. Yeah, that little that endorsement. Too, yeah, but even as your agency, just how, uh, yeah, it's not a matter of when it's, or it's not a matter of if it's when, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's it. And uh, this has been a great episode. I really appreciate your energy. It is refreshing to have a conversation with someone who is so enthusiastic about this industry Thank that you. we all know and love. So folks, that's it for another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. Connect with Kimmy on social media if that's your thing. And until next time, make it a great day, boys and girls. We'll talk to you again real soon. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go.